Hello everybody, this is a very special episode of Here Comes the Spider Cast. This week we're going to be focusing on some of the crossover appearances of Spidey that we might have missed. We've got three picks this week, and so we've also got some special guests that we're going to keep a secret for now. Okay, so our first comic this week is Spider-Woman number 29. And for those that don't know, there are many Spider-Womans at Marvel, but this is the original, uh, Jessica Drew. Um, she was actually created basically over a weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> to protect um, the copyright or the trademark to the name Spider-Woman because at this point um, they were worried that like one of the, um, the TV networks. animations yeah, right. was just going to create a Spider-Woman of their own. And, they and so were they're gonna... like, oh shit, mm-hmm. we better yeah, create our own. So they designed this. Well, it's really the same story character. with She-Hulk, correct? Exactly, right. yeah. She-Hulk was definitely created over a weekend. I'm not sure about Spider-Woman, but mm-hmm. she was definitely created like on a whim. Right. And no connection to Spider-Man, mm-hmm. unlike She-Hulk, who's the Hulk's cousin. Right. Um, her powers are completely, well, not completely different, but they're definitely different. Very different, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not overly familiar with the character. I've only read a handful of yeah. issues, but I well, absolutely love her costume. Before we jump in, maybe we should introduce our special guest that's going to be talking about this issue with oh, us. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. We have a very special guest this week, returning again, G.I. Jolie. Say hi, G.I. Jolie. Oh, hello. <laughs> All right. Well, we'd like to thank you once again for joining us. Yeah, um, nice to have you back. Yes. Is this your first ever <laughs> Spider-Woman comic? Um, yeah. Actually, no. My first ever... Sort of... I don't know. Um, yeah, because first... you read a Brian... Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis, right? Yeah, and it was... um. Was it the that artist Eddie Granoff? No, Alex Maleev. He did sure. the art. It yeah, was I think so. Freaking terrible. He was. He's the one that does the. It looks like it's from photos. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I um, sorry. I, yeah, I hated it too. And I swore to myself that I would never, ever, ever read. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, that I would read better Spider Woman comics after that. And well. When I was given the opportunity, I jumped super high. And would so, you say this one was better? No. Okay. Oh, <laughs> All right. I could say that, but I would be lying to your face. Well, do you want to um, summarize the story, uh, G.I. Jolie? Um, yeah, I guess. So Spider... Briefly, yeah. Yeah, so Spider-Woman is... Um, so the, in the beginning of the issue, Spider-Man is quote-unquote dead. Um, she believes him to be dead. She has turned villainous, villain, um, and is teamed up with the Enforcer. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really thin plot as to what they're doing on this plane, but mm-hmm. Peter Parker also happens to board this plane that uh, Spider-Woman and Enforcer are going to hijack. And uh, that's kind of where... That's kind of where the story begins, and I would argue ends. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a bizarre plot. Um, again, I've read a handful of Spider Woman stories, and I can't get a handle on her character. I don't really get her, and this mm. did not really help. Um, I thought it was kind of odd that she just willingly—I mean, she didn't willingly. She had to go along with this because she had to get the cure for her friend, right, um, Scotty. And so that's why she had to team up with the Enforcer to, like, hijack this plane. But it seems right. a little bit far-fetched. But it's oh. also weird because they talk about the fact that she's been doing this for weeks. 
right? They they definitely say that, that she's been doing this for weeks. Mm. Like, I've been doing this for weeks, and you come in here and you mess things up for me, blah, 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 blah. Get out of here, Spider-Man. It's like, Mm. you've been doing this for weeks, and you haven't come up with anything yet? Like, you haven't realized that maybe this guy is just, like, stringing you along (laughs) to, like, commit all Uh these crimes with him? Like, it's just so weird. And, And also the fact that, like, she's treated like an object at the beginning oh my god and like oh enforcer is just so creepy that i want to punch him like and i can't believe she is putting up with this bullshit right that's Uh what's so awful about it it's not that Mm -hmm. he's being like a creepy weirdo it's the fact that she's just like yep sure thing it's like you're uh, it's one thing to go along and like commit these crimes to save your friend but like you're gonna also just let somebody walk all over you as a superhero like what kind of a role model is that for the readers too like spider-man has to be the one to come in and save the day to save you and help you and your friend like it's just so oh yeah well, that's what i mean she has no agency she really has no personality right like i couldn't tell you anything about her personality from no. reading this comic no other than the fact that she's kind of um weak like i would say that she i would argue that she's like weak minded and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um poor like just poorly motivated by like um things that are typically uh written to be like female driven emotion like screw off Uh, like i just i can't even Mm -hmm. like he calls her he's like oh my god spider chick like every single time he refers to her he doesn't use her actual name and it's and it's Mm -hmm. even on the cover i thought maybe it was just a character flaw of the enforcer Mm -hmm. but no they call her the web lady on the front I mean, right? I don't think that's that bad though, because inside she also has another nickname, which is where is it here? Uh, Spider Tootsie. No, 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 no. On the first page, um, the alluring angel of the night of nighttime. Like, I mean, that's kind of weird, but I think it's kind of just a throwback to when like Superman was called Superman, the man from you know. The, uh, the last son of Krypton, the action ace, you know, the man of tomorrow. They've all got these cheesy superhero names or nicknames. And I think that's just what they're going for, at least with Web Lady and the other one. Obviously, when he's calling her names, it's just misogynist, right? right. Yeah, that's, that's it's just him story. being a dick. <laughs> I, I mean, right. the thing that stands out to me, too, is like he's like rubbing her shoulders and oh, yeah. like talking about... Uh, need a popsicle for when you get your you know uh, you get that itching and then she she says something like yeah i know what you mean enforcer whenever you come near me i i start getting that itchy feeling too and he goes yeah that feeling that tells you that you need some loving right it's like are you kidding me like Mm -hmm. is this supposed to be our hero that we're following like this isn't a Spider-Man comic. This is a Spider-Woman comic. It's not like this is a guest appearance from this character. Like, this right. is supposed to be our hero, but she's a damsel in distress the entire issue. In her oh, yeah. own comic. In yeah. her own comic. Yep. Now, I just want to say one thing, though. I am familiar with Michael Fleischer, and he's written some Spectre and some Ghost Rider, and I... I think some Ghost Rider. I am. I think his his writing is actually fairly good. And I just like again. I want to point out that opening page. You know, 
when criminologist Scotty McDowell attempted to rescue the Spider Woman from the Enforcer, the villain plunged him into a death-like trance with a poison which will kill Scotty the moment his body temperature is allowed to rise above freezing. I don't know. Nice little setup there. Sure. Again, what? compared to the... Oh, yeah. like I'm saying compared to the skill level of the writing of Mark Grenwald in the Marvel Team-Up Annual that we reviewed, this is better writing. Sure. In hopes of rescuing her friend from this ghastly living death, the alluring angel of nighttime has struck a bargain with the Enforcer, agreeing to become the villain's partner in crime in return for the antidote needed to restore Scotty. See, I mean, I think he's a good writer. I, I think that it is a good premise, and I think that is written well, but I think uh. I, I think that it is, it's not great writing because you have to, like write a couple of paragraphs to tell people what's happening right instead mm-hmm. of showing them or like doing a quick recap uh-huh. like I, I don't think it's written poorly i just think that it's it shouldn't be needed yeah it's, it's my thing yeah it's like uh it's it's both. not the premise it's not like the way it's written it's i don't know That's, sorry i sorry i interrupted you no it's okay it's like it's the the pros are like so flowery and overwritten that like i claw like i just checked out reading Mm. that like that gave me here's the thing i described this book when you guys asked me to describe the plot i described it wrong because i admittedly didn't read those two boxes because i quit on them because it was too much junk and here's the thing that really like just kind of irks me so much is that like this is the plot of the book and it just goes on and on um in a way that um kind of like a bill willingham kind of way like he just Mm. loving the sound of his own voice but the only the only character knowledge that we get about spider woman is hidden up at the top in tiny tiny print Mm -hmm. just before Mm -hmm. the title of the book where mm-hmm. Spider-Man's name is bigger than hers in a book that's about her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, like, basically, they failed. Like, again, at this point, Marvel was doing, I think, Ms. Marvel. Uh, they were doing um, maybe Dazzler. So they're definitely trying to have these uh, female superheroes, but they're just not doing a good job of it. Yeah. They're if not you took, handling them right. If you, if you took those two boxes out... You just cover them. I'm covering them if with my hand. If I just read, oh, hang on, Scotty, I'll find a way to get you out of there. I just have to. And if they inserted just one more line, like I'll find the antidote. Like, mm, right. Just hang on. It, that's it. It's all you would have needed. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And we we see her interacting with uh, what's his face afterwards too, Enforcer. right? Enforcer. So mm-hmm. we know, like, we, we get an idea of what's happening there. So, like, that yeah. that dialogue at the beginning, it's just not needed and feels so forced. Mm-hmm. Well, also, as you look through the issue, you can see there's a lot of really big bubbles, really big mm-hmm. thought bubbles, really big captions. You know, like when Spider-Man comes in with all eyes focused on the Enforcer and his victim, no one pays the slightest attention as a certain nondescript teenager rises from his seat and slips into the darkness of the nearby alcove. Uh, like, again, I think it is good writing. It's just not efficient for a comic book to write it that way, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's okay, almost it's definitely... like it's a task to slog mm-hmm. yeah. through. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here's the thing: we agree the story is not great, the writing's not great. What did you guys think about the art 
Uh, Julie, we'll start with you. What do you think of the art in this issue? Mm, the the art is passable. It is not terrible. Um, uh, I mean, like most artists, um, he doesn't really get the hands right. But hey, if it were up to me, I would never draw another hand as long as I lived. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, do you know what I found was really strange about the art was the the coloring choices. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm uh, reading a digital version. But it doesn't look like it's been recolored or anything. And just the, there's just some really strange coloring choices based on like, the, I would say zero palette. So. Okay, that, that's interesting you say that because I'm reading a scan version. So mm-hmm. I just assumed that it was just a poor scan and the colors were off from converting it, like just, just taking pictures oh, I th- of it. Right? I think we're all reading the same, the same version. This is just scan from the original comic yeah there's definitely no recoloring here okay okay so yeah this like is... for example if you look at page five digital page five when peter parker is boarding the airplane like the choices of colors i would assume if they are um just based on my own sort of like experiencing experience with scanning old documents like that was probably purple like a lighter yeah. purple mm. <laughs> What are we going to say about the purple? Well, no, I mean, like, a a better example would be, like, the next page, for instance, where we see the Enforcer speaking into the headset, and he's, like, trying to find a way onto this, uh, to the airplane. Um, Like, why would you choose red as the background? It's just not complimentary at all. I mean, even in the background, like, the weird highlights in, like, this bright, pink like magenta behind the officers right like, everything right, just right. seems really weird and off um you know the yeah, sky the is colors, purple yeah. I, right. again maybe it's the scans but like if you go back to the page you were talking about before jolie with mm. spider-man boarding the plane it's like really dark purple in the background and it looks so like harsh and then mm. if you look at the bottom of that page everything is like the lighting in the background of the plane is this like light lavender purple so if it was the scan this is the same page right Mm -hmm. so the wouldn't the scan like mess up all of the color would it be focused in one area like it just seems it's not the scan it's the original comic absolutely it's just poorly done yeah like the color choices are poor uh like and and like the color of the interior switches from panel to panel I and mean, again, it's not done for dramatic effect. It's just poorly done. Even at the beginning, Spider-Woman is pink. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought that... Her skin, yes. Her skin yes. is literally pink. I thought that maybe this wasn't Spider-Woman at the beginning. And, like, she was... <laughs> no, like, genuinely, I thought that maybe, like, because she's acting as a villain and she looks like a like a pinky magenta color, maybe, maybe this is, like, some sort of alien that's taking her form or like something's happened to her that she's like acting evil now i didn't Mm -hmm. quite get it at well here's the thing to be fair though look at the hand of the guy at the bottom and then look at the guy in the next page he's just as pink so i think it's just a case of whatever skin tone they were using was just in overdrive that month or something right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's definitely not great um but there's one final component of the three parts of aspects of the art, and that's the inking. 
by by um, Frank Springer, and I actually thought the inking was really good. Um, like nice use of shadow, and it's actually of you know it's like really polished, like nice use of blacks. There's a lot of really good examples of it throughout. Really? So uh, I don't know. I, I actually like the inking. What do you I guys actually think? thought the inking was a little bit muddled at times. Okay. Um, on original page seven, uh, digital eleven, I think. Um, okay. Spider Man or Peter Parker has just changed in the airplane bathroom, and he's yeah. walking <laughs> out. He's doing this like silly walk pose. Um, yeah. In the background, like all of the people on the plane it's just black Mud. and red blobs like what is happening like i don't need yeah, to see every single point. i don't need to see every single person's face but i can't even mm-hmm. make out figures okay, that's you know a what good i mean point. like if there, there's just time i mean even the pay the panel above that when you see peter parker taking off his shirt like it's just so dark and the, sh- the shading yeah. is so thick in 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 parts the panel before that as well like as peter parker's creeping away there's just like some weird dark shadows like like around his arms and like the shadow that's being cast in the, the wall behind him like i don't know there all the shadows are actually in the wrong places in that one mm-hmm. i would argue um to, like looking yeah it, it's yeah i can well, see what that about- what about, okay, can you guys jump back to page, here we go, digital page six, which is original page five. Okay. Mm. I really like this page when the, they're all talking to each other on like the CB radios or whatever. Like if you look at the top right panel, the enforcer, I really like the inks on his face yeah. there. And uh, the inks on the plane, the one plane on top of the other, like, I don't know. Um, again, it's, it's not really, it's a little bit sloppy, but there are some panels that I think are really well done. Yeah, I think that some panels are good, but like, if you're looking at the the shot that you or the the panel you were talking about with the planes, why is the only part of the plane that's not in shadow, where the other plane is on top of like, shouldn't mm-hmm. that shouldn't the shading be reversed there? It should. Why? Uh, where why do you is mean? so like the plane that's on the bottom? Why is yeah. the bottom? so shaded compared to the top when there's a plane on top of it like shouldn't the shadow be underneath the red plane and not at the bottom of the white plane yeah you can see the shadow on the right the right of the white plane you can see the shadow there it's not necessarily in the exact right spot but i don't think it's bad you see how underneath the the whatever color this orange plane at the at the front of the orange plane at the nose cone there's a shadow falling on the white plane so i think that's in the right spot there so yeah i mean if we want to if we want to talk about where bad shadows are being um inked here i would i would go with what like spider woman's entire form um well do you know what parts of her are done correctly i would say but this is one of those things where um this is what i had where what i had mentioned before in like a in a in the spider cast where um you can either troubleshoot this in the pencils or correct them with the inks and neither of them do this um and it's even apparent a little bit in enforcer's costume where it looks like spider woman is body painted if she was in fact wearing a latex (laughs) suit or a spandex suit there is no way that that is how her breasts would sit in a costume that's true yeah 
So <laughs> I, I wonder how much of that has to do with the design of her character. Because I feel like yeah. throughout this, it's it's the same. I, I like I can't point to one specific panel where she's like, "Oh, that looks like it's body painted." It's just like throughout this entire issue, it's just painted on her. Yeah. I mean, and you look at the cover and it's the same, right? So I think. Yeah. I don't disagree with you that it does look like it's it's painted, but I'm wondering how much of that is just her character in general in in every issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's just yeah. So yeah, j- just to I, I just want to make one final point. I am a huge fan of her costume design. Uh, Jolie, what do you think of her costume? I love her costume design. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah, it speaks to mobility. It speaks to like just really cool design work. Um, just minimal color. Um, I like how it covers her face, but her hair is exposed, yeah, and her right. hair is down, and her hair is long, and like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I, I like the little bat wings that she has. Um, it just mm-hmm. it it all around is a really slick design. I just don't like the fact that no one in no one in the comic world can seem to render a costume on top of a human body. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's true. It's the only That's thing true. that pisses me off. <laughs> like those boots so, don't look like boots anyway. Hmm. Here's the thing. I am probably gonna go back and read these this entire Spider Woman series because there's only fifty issues. And what else that, do I have to do, right? Well, I mean, we are trapped inside for an in undetermined amount yeah, of time for so. a year and a half. But mm-hmm. um, Josh, are you enticed to go and read more Spider Woman comics? No, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not. Like because yikes, it, it's because if I'm just reading this issue alone, what what brings me? into this story that, that that's gonna like grab me and hold me in it's not spider woman because she doesn't have a character in this she yep. kind of acts like awful too throughout like mm-hmm. i understand that she's like working with the bad guys to save her friend but like she's not putting any effort in to stop them either like she's just along for the ride mm-hmm. uh when spider-man shows up and does try to help she kind of is just like what the hell are you doing like you're ruining the day like even after spite like even after her friend is saved and mm-hmm. and and the enforcer has been stopped she's still kind of rude to spider-man and like i don't know like there's, there's no character there so like yeah, why exactly. would i be interested you're- in going back and reading more about her that's definitely true she her character is completely undefined um mm-hmm. So, Julie, are you going to read more Spider-Woman? Mm, not from the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> I may jump forward a little more. Like, I mean, as much as I hated the art in that new one, it was tr- a trillion times more interesting than than this, mm-hmm. this version of Spider-Woman, I would say. Well, yeah. just for the record, even back in the 70s and 80s, there were different writers that did her, so, that wrote her, so... Maybe one of the other writers did a better job. Yeah, maybe. And, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm definitely not saying that her character as a whole uh, sucks, but her in this issue is is really kind of a downer and does doesn't make me interested in reading more about her. I'm sure that there are plenty of stories where she's great, but I don't see that here. Yeah, I mean, mm. if you want to talk about a downer, like the very last panel um, where they could potentially maybe redeem her uh, her plot. 
she's still just it ends with oh but what's gonna happen to Scotty like mm-hmm. who cares and then at the bottom you will not believe what happens to Scotty next issue <laughs> right with cliffhanger she's like oh, uh, oh right. no so we didn't so, so we went through all of that misogyny all of that horrible like plotting all of that horrible story and we still didn't cure Scotty like what the hell was the point <laughs> So we definitely now. I think I probably like this one more than you two, but I don't know if I can recommend it. I can recommend it with a huge grain of salt, but it's definitely not a good comic. Uh, Josh, would you recommend this comic? No, I don't think I would. Like, Spider Woman didn't really seem like the main character, and it also didn't even really seem mm. like a good Spider Man comic. I, I don't know no. who this was for or what they were trying to tell here, but um, right. definitely wasn't for me. Jolie, what do you think? Would you recommend this? Um, I would... Just really weird. I would recommend the the letters in the back. Um, because they all echo this... They all echo the same sort of sentiment that me and Josh are talking about. Mm. And it's like they all are really puzzled by Spider-Woman. They don't really mm. understand... They understand she's intriguing, but they don't really glean anything about her character outside of that. And it's a uh-huh. really great um, way to sort of place context on the character if you go back and read those letters. But yeah, there's a really interesting one from a person in uh, Lorain, Ohio that like I'm really into echoes the same stuff. Like, what is the point? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for you, Mr. Verdi in Ohio. <laughs> Well, and, and in case you guys didn't know, Spider-Woman actually had her own cartoon in the late 70s. So if you don't like the comics, maybe check out the cartoon. Maybe. But but it sounds like you won't. Okay, yeah. so on to the next comic. All That's right. a very All quiet right. and hard maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so our next issue is a very... Um, it's a comic book with a lot of history behind it. The history behind it is probably more interesting than the comic itself, and that's Dazzler number one. Uh, I'm not going to give you know too much of an intro, but I'll just say that this character was created by committee at Marvel, and I believe it was actually originally conceived by a record company to tie in with a real movie or a real person that was going to play Dazzler. She was introduced in Uncanny X-Men, um, under Chris Claremont and John Byrne's run. And then through whatever legal red tape they had to go through to finally get the comic published, by the time this came out, even though the character was created to capitalize on Disco, by the time this came out, Disco was completely dead, okay? Mm -hmm. So now this is kind of like a relic of that time period. And I've always had great affection for Dazzler because I was first introduced to her in um, X-Men by Chris Claremont and Mark in Mark Silvestri, actually, when she joined the team. But, um, Jolie, how familiar are you with Dazzler? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'm mildly familiar with Dazzler, I guess, in that, like, um, I know what her powers are and I've heard of her. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, you, didn't you read number nine and 10 and 21 with me on for Quasar? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Josh, what's your familiarity with Dazzler? So I Go yeah ahead. I I've I have read some issues that she's been in like some X Men issues and then I believe we just read uh, an um, a team up with her in it. 
Yes, yes, we did. That's and right. So that was the first issue about Dazzler I have read. So this is technically like the second Dazzler comic I've read. Okay. So I don't know a whole lot about her. Like I understand her power set and like she's a mutant, but that's pretty much it. So this is like my first time kind of getting a sense of her personality and her backstory. Mm-hmm. So well, this is the second time I've read this issue. I have mixed feelings about it. But uh, first, I want to ask you, Jolie, what was your impression of this comic? Oh, it was terrible. Um, yeah. It was just, <laughs> um, one. The digital copy I read was mud. Uh, yes, but that's true. from what I could get out of it, um, there's some pretty. There was just oh god, so much eye roll inducing shit in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, one in one in particular being. Um, like it, it started off beautifully, where mm-hmm. you, where you, you kind of see her roller skating out of a crime, but mm-hmm. then because uh, she is a new character and this is the first issue, they feel the need to kind of maybe give you a little bit of a backstory, and um, it's not really reconciled well. It, the her current drama mm-hmm. and her current uh, like turmoil in her life um, with. Uh, how she came to be and then not not to make it any more difficult or anything but they shoehorn the x-men in there because yeah, everyone yeah. knows who the x-men are mm, right. so why not um and then and then even so, later on they shoehorn the avengers in yes yeah 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 i think so. my eyes rolled the hardest when we cut to asgard uh-huh. so i it was just it was such a strange um, it, it was such a strange first issue. Like, so there was nothing happened for something like for a book that seemingly everything happened in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. There was a lot happening, but nothing happening. Sorry, if we're trying to distill the actual action of the book, it's that the Dazzler is kind of fighting with her self. Uh, because she doesn't think she's not making enough money as uh, a singer anymore mm-hmm. to live. Um, and then she stumbles upon, she doesn't stumble upon, she's produced with a, uh, sorry, the beast somehow mm-hmm. produces a, like a solution to a problem, which is like a singing competition for a bo- at a bar right. um, that would, could possibly employ her. Um, but the, th- that, that's kind of like, the start of the book and the end of the book mm-hmm. and then there's all this action in the middle that's misplaced i think but yeah that's that's essentially where we are with issue one so at this point yeah, she's ahead, not yeah. she, at this point she's not a superhero correct yeah they kind of it, it's a little bit tricky because they jump well they flash back like they introduce her again here but they flash back to her x-men appearance and yeah technically i don't think she's officially a superhero yet whatever that means because (laughs) i think it could be really interesting if if this because she just the the thing is i i think jolie said that she's like running away from a crime she just stopped but these guys are just like catcalling her and following her from the the disco i don't think that she's like yeah Stop them they just, from. They were just creepy. They were just uh, stalking her at a bar, or kind of like creeping her. Yeah. So. Yeah. But if it was the fact that she just stopped, like a robbery or something, that could be really fun because 
we can see that she's a successful superhero, but mm-hmm. then her personal life, she can't make it as a singer. So she's kind of dealing with the fact that, you know, her, maybe her like powers are, you know, successful in one way where she can stop crime and save people, but she's having trouble kind of using that to, uh, become famous and a, a, a professional singer and kind of have this like well, spider-man esque like double life where she's somewhat successful but still kind of struggling with her like professional life well here's the thing though i personally don't mind that she's not really superhero because because she's a mutant i like the idea that she's just someone that happens to have these powers you know so i, yeah. I don't mind that at all that she's just someone uh but what I do think, like, I think there's a lot of good ideas here, like showing her struggling and, you know, her her rent is late so her water's turned off and her relationship with her father and all that. I think those are all good ideas, but the plotting in this issue I think is terrible. Like, like Jolie said, wasting one, two, three full pages on X-Men, it really, there should have been three panels. It should have been her calling Storm and that's it. All this yeah. crap about them in the danger room and thought bubbles from Kitty Pride and uh, them talking to each other and what they're doing and then them tripping over each other and falling over. God. It's just to such a waste. answer the phone. Yeah. Because it's... two whole, like one whole, sorry, two thirds of a page is devoted to the confusion the ringing phone brings to the X-Men. Yeah, yeah. They don't, yeah, like this is supposed to be the X-Men. It's ridiculous. Also, there's a little bit of, um, I th- because this is written by Tom DeFalco and he wasn't obviously the regular X-Men writer, Chris Claremont was, there's a little bit of commentary on the members too. And there's a quip here that really gets under my skin. It's the opening of the scene where someone says, where's Angel Storm? That winged wonder needs training a heck of a lot more than we do. Okay, just so people know, this is the new X-Men. Angel had already been on the team for 20 years. No, 20 years? Yeah, about, about 20 years. So that's really a knock against Angel that really gets under my skin. But other than that, okay, fine. So then you have all this crap. <laughs> then later on, you have the scene with, um, I'm just skipping ahead here, <clears throat> pardon me, to Asgard, a really long intro, which I don't know, I didn't mind this intro because at least it amounts to something, right? Because mm-hmm. Enchantress comes in later. It still was a little bit long. Like having that one woman get introduced and then turn into a tree was kind of a way to show how evil Enchantress was, so I like that. But then later on when we get to the Avengers, it's kind of the same thing where we get one, two, uh, three, well, two and a half pages of Avengers. And again, it's like, really, this is only here to set up the Beast. Why do we need the Beast talking to Wasp about her costume and Captain America and Iron Man back and forth? Mm. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. I I think, honestly, the problem with it for me was the fact that we set up Dazzler as the main character and we, we we show the audience what the problem is, but then the rest of the issue, it's everybody else trying to fix her problem. Good point. Right? Like, it's Beast that comes in and, and saves the day for her to go to the tryout. Um, like, the rest of the time, she's kind of just, like, pouting and, like, being upset, which sucks because, like, I I want her to... I want to see her, like, save her day, her own day, right? Like, I, I want to see right. her... Like, this character deal with the problems rather than just be upset on the couch. 
Right, like, right. Once once she gets back to her house, she doesn't do anything. Like she sits on the she she calls Storm, and then she sits on the couch, and then it's not until the end of the issue where Beast comes to her window that she goes to the disco to for the tryout. Uh, like uh, honestly, mm-hmm. I think the Asgard stuff was the only things I liked about this issue. Right, right. I I actually yeah. enjoyed that because like yeah, something was, was happening. Like it, it was right. important to the story as well. Mm-hmm. So we kind of intro- we're introduced to this like warrior, and again they're not super important, but we see that they're like a strong hero. So that's that's what they're setting mm-hmm. up at the beginning, and then the fact that Enchantress can kind of just turn this uh, this like warrior this uh, person into a tree with the flick of her wrist. Mm-hmm. shows how like powerful and dismissive she is so when she comes right. to like try out and she's up against dazzler we get a sense of how like powerful and evil she is and twisted so we're kind of scared for for dazzler so i think that was the only thing for me that worked and was set up properly so yeah so jolie you've read i believe three dazzler issues and now four and so have i uh she has a reputation for having a terrible series does this change your mind about that or is this another Uh, terrible issue oh it's another terrible issue um it's (laughs) it's the better one of the better ones out of four issues that i've read which Mm -hmm. isn't saying a hell of a lot um i mean I, i agree with josh about enchantress at least her them shoehorning her in if it was just them doing that at least the very thin way that they connected the stories would have been would have worked for me Mm -hmm. um if not for the fact that like god why is she calling the x-men like just leave all that other junk out Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. figure out a way to sort of put this all together like why couldn't she have picked up the after taking a long introspective bath why couldn't she have like checked her mail gotten that newspaper and read for herself exactly about like the same that newspaper is the same everywhere like why couldn't she have received it on her own without beast help like it makes no sense mm-hmm. um uh, I, the same level of misogyny i think still exists throughout all four of the books but i i, I credit that with um you know the authorship being male, the artists all being the whole mm-hmm. creation staff is male. So I mean, it's to be expected. But I, I mean, yeah. even her backstory feels like really played. Like, did we need to actually see everything that happened step by step? Like, right. I, I guess I guess seeing like her discovering her powers when singing the first time was kind of interesting. Yeah, I like that. But, yeah, that was cool. But the whole thing with her dad it, it it was like you couldn't just be like my parents aren't don't approve of me uh going to like pursuing my career so i'm all on my own who do i have to turn to like that that one line can get rid of all of the flashbacks of her dad not approving of her going off and being a singer like right right every single story about like a main character going out and being a professional musician, their parents don't don't agree with what they're doing. Yes. So we we don't need to see it again. Mm-hmm. But I may I mean maybe at the time it wasn't it didn't seem as like as much of a trope. Sure. But 
I think for me, it was just kind of like, yeah, I, I get it. I don't even, I don't even need to really read what's going on. I could just kind of look at the, the, the panels and see, okay, yeah, the dad doesn't agree and he storms off into the street. Sure. Cool. Just kind of move yeah, on. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yep. Uh, okay. So how about this? Um, I'm not sure if you guys checked the credits, but this art, the penciler was actually the same one from mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man, John Romita Jr. I could tell but right the- away. Okay, see, that's interesting because the inking is by um, Alfredo um, Alcala, mm-hmm. and he is known to be an overpowering inker. And so I think that even though, I mean, you can see that it's still John Romita Jr., but I thought the inking was so much different that it really looked like a completely different artist. Uh, Julie, what did you think of the art? Oh, yeah. Um, I um, If it weren't for the fact that I read John Romita's name, then mm-hmm. I then I wouldn't know that the underlying art is good. Um, mm. The inks are terrible, in my opinion. Um, mm. They're just, they're too thin in some places. They use strange marks to suggest weird things. Um, it's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of suggestive sort of marks that people employ when they they ink that are used in really strange ways like there's squiggles on her outfit that make her outfit look like plastic rather than um cloth Mm. um and then he'll he'll use them again in faces so it's just it's he's he's a thin inker um i know because i'm a thin inker (laughs) he's a thin inker and he's a confusing inker and uh, he kind of just doesn't really know his place. Like, I, I agree. It it looks... It's like when, you know... It, he's like an inker with a chip on his shoulder. He's like, well, I'm inking John Romita, but I'm also an artist, too. So people need to know that. Well, here's the thing. I actually really do like his inks, to be honest. And it, although it's inconsistent, for the most part, I really like it. Now, there were three inkers credited because I think for what I can piece together, I think the... 99% of the issue was drawn by John Romita Jr. However, the opening splash page of her running was penciled by John Buscema, but her face was redrawn by John Romita Sr. Oh my God. So yeah, I think that this page was inked by John Romita as well, but it also credits Bob McLeod as a co-inker. So for the most part, I know what you're saying, Jolie, like if you look at page two, the texture on the wall, the texture on the ground, I mean, that is by Stanley's definition, overranking, but I still like the, the texture that he brings to this issue. It, make, it gives it like a little bit of a gritty realism. And then like the hooligans on page three, like the, the use of light on their faces, I think that's really well done. But mm-hmm. when you go to the next page, when Spider-Man comes in and Spider-Man is, um, is uh, holding the, the, uh, the car back, okay, you see that shot? Look at the shot down below that of Dazzler's face. That looks like a completely different mm-hmm. comic book. Like, what the hell? Like, either that's <laughs> Bob McCloud, who is a great anchor in, on, in his, on his own, but I don't know what's happening there, but this is clearly, like, maybe this was done, like, a day later or something, but, yeah, it's definitely inconsistent. Uh, Josh, what did you think? Yeah, the, the inking for sure seems inconsistent. Um, I think the reason why I could tell it was John Romita Jr. doing the penciling is because mm. of the, um, the panels that are blank. The, the panels that are okay. just the characters and nothing else because he has this really great way of telling a story without having too much detail in the, in the background and right. like 
I, I think that could be another reason why the inks stand out so much as being too much mm-hmm. because it's it's they're they're right next to panels that are just faces with empty backgrounds where there's no inking at all right sure. so so when you have those like panels that are like a little bit too much and too heavily inked it mm-hmm. makes it even stand out more when it's it's next to some like plain panels well you know the thing is though like if you look at when they go to asgard i think mm-hmm. that's when his art is most appropriate because I know that he did the original DC miniseries of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And I think he's really well suited to like, I guess you could call it sword and sorcery. Like when Enchantress is sitting on that throne and there's like carpet mm. laying over the stairway. I think that's all really well done. So uh, definitely inconsistent, but overall I still really liked it. Yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I did like a lot of the, the Asgard stuff. Sorry, sorry, Julie. Yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah, like um, if you want to talk about it looking like a completely different comic, the you could just rip the portion about Asgard out, and it would be a different comic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, like the more and more we discuss it, the more we talk about it, the more I look at it, the more I enjoy the Asgard bit, mm-hmm. uh, and the more I want to see of it. It's just so luxurious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it all works together really well, and the rest of the issue is just not the same level right right because it's like this character was created by committee was this comic the the comic was created by committee like just like dazzler deserved way more and way better than this and um she's such an interesting character she's such a cool ass character and um she just made of fun like it's just there's so much potential for fun that it's lost in this book right. completely. You know what she deserves? She deserves Halston Sage, who played her in X-Men Dark Phoenix. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Okay, so before we wrap up the review of this issue, I want to know, I'm sure we've all thought of it, but if they make a Dazzler movie and it's not Halston Sage, okay. who should play Dazzler? Does anyone have anyone or should I go first? Uh, you go first. Let me think about it. Okay. I'll just say, if it's not Halston Sage, who is who it should be. My second pick would be Lady Gaga. Okay? Really? <laughs> because, yeah, why not? I mean, she can look she the can part. Sing. She yeah. can sing. And she's a great actress. So, and she's famous. She's already world famous. So, if they want to make it a big movie, just cast Lady Gaga. Why not? Julie, what do you think? Um, do you know what? I agree with you. I didn't initially go the route of somebody who sings already, but mm-hmm. I am 100% for uh, Lady Gaga. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we live in a terrible world and it'll be Taylor Swift and oh. it'll be terrible. So, um, if I had to pick an actor, actor who could sing, you know, I really haven't thought about it. Because mm. um, it just, I, you know how you kind of have an idea of what these characters could look like if they're if real act, current actors portrayed them like right. I don't know what that looks like at all because I've seen so many sort of iterations of her face that it could be right. anybody because you can make anyone blonde so of course that's true yeah. um, any ideas Josh or do you want to no, come back to this I, hmm I, you know the the thing is to like I always pictured her like really young that's why i thought maybe lady gaga maybe that's why lady gaga didn't come to mind originally but i feel like she she would do a really good job with like the acting and the singing i'm just trying to think if there's 
anybody like i guess they could do dazzler at any age though because i don't think she's well, inherently oh. do you know who would be really good it's Ooh. halsey Ooh. who's that halsey um yeah. she was on snl a couple times you fast forwarded through those performances oh, okay yeah but okay, she has I'll... like oh, she has like yeah. a really um fresh look i mean if we're going to interpret her music as being electronic and not disco anymore sure. i would i would say she uh that is kind of the she she's able to act a little bit right. she's not a terrible actor um and she could do old and young if they had to do flashbacks right you know because she's just right in the middle miley cyrus could be pretty fun because she's kind of that. Uh, I, 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 pr- I don't. Th- I think she's way too. I mean, because of her persona, don't you think she's too rowdy? Or what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I, I obviously you're I, not familiar with Hannah I, Montana. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I think that you can do like she can play whatever. Because if you think about Lady Gaga in like Lady Gaga's persona does not match Dazzler at all either. Okay. Right? Like, she's kind of, like, she's, I think, too quirky and out there. But if you look at her in uh, what the movie that she was just in with, uh, the, the movie where she just played a country singer. A Star is a Born. A Star is Born. Oh, A Star is Born. Like, yeah, that, of course. That, that is, like, so far away from who Lady Gaga is as a person in real life. I think that it doesn't matter. They're acting, right? So I think yeah, Miley Cyrus yeah. could be really fun. She's... She is a little bit older, but like can still play young teenage, I think. And uh, she has like this kind of like unique voice, like where she has a little bit of a rasp to it. I think she could be kind of interesting. Well, for the record, for those that don't know and haven't don't know what she looks like, please Google Halston Sage. Okay, she's from um, the Orville, and she's beautiful. She's young, and she's a great actress. And and they're gonna replace her, so get over it. Damn it! So for the last pick this week, we've got a returning guest in the, uh, in the form of V. V, say hi. Hello, everybody. Woo! Thanks again for coming back, V. Glad it's to been be a while. Here. All right. So we're going to um, we're going to follow up our review that we just did of Dazzler number one with Dazzler number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie, do you want to set this one up because I know you were not a fan of the first one. Oh, I would love to set it up. Um, so <laughs> I but I don't even know how to. So, OK, yes. So if we're just setting it up, let me just uh, get to page one. I read a digital version. Um, so Dazzler number two, last stand in disco land and uh, where we see uh, we've sort of left off with Enchantress and her. They're kind of. vying for the same position at a disco uh, as the (laughs) singer Um, and it looks like Dazzler got the position and that's it Um, (laughs) she she won American Idol uh, yeah yeah. like if if American Idol is like a mafia boss who owns a disco club looking for a singer then yeah she won (laughs) but Enchantress is not having any of it so so the the tonight is her debut and she's invited all of her super buddies and they're all in the bar in street clothes some of them not i mean like a rogue is not rogue storm is a queen so obviously she's still wearing her headpiece right and the thing can't get rid of his exterior his stony exterior so you know he's just putting it he's just put a suit over that 
And that's kind of um, where it takes a slide downhill, directly downhill at a 90 degree angle. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, so V, what did you think of this? Is this the first it comic or issue you've ever had of Dazzler V? Oh, yeah, this is the first time I've been introduced to her. I had no idea. Okay, so you don't even know her from X Men or anything? No, I do not. Okay, so what did you think of this comic? Uh, you know what? Um, I have some issues with it, but I don't know. I, there was a lot of fun points in it. There was a lot of fun in it. I have to agree. I didn't hate it. I did not hate it. I Again, it's, it's a classic 1980s comic. I didn't hate it. I got to say, I loved the art, which I'll get to later. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to point out, V, this tells you the difference between a penciler and an inker. This is John Romita Jr. again. The same oh, okay. penciler I, as Amazing Spider-Man. I really enjoyed the art, actually. Yeah, but the inker is Alfredo Alcala, who mm-hmm. is notorious for overpowering the artists that he inks over. And so mm-hmm. this is almost unrecognizable. But I would like to point out, before we get to the story, digital page eight, that giant splash page of the Enchantress getting dazzled mm-hmm. by Dazzler. Mm-hmm. That is a stunning freaking page. I mean, you can see John Romita, John Romita Jr.'s figure work is so perfect. Like That just looks like a three-dimensional real person with like perfect anatomy, in my opinion. But then Alfredo Alcala goes over with these incredible inks. Adding, the, adding this nice dimension to everything. And I know that Jolie, you'd said last week you didn't like his inks, but I thought he did a stellar job this week. So let's jump to you, Jolie. What do you think first about the art in this issue? Yeah, I really liked it. It's gorgeous. Um, I find that, uh, well, when they're not rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's the one that did the, the Daredevil team up? No, he did the Dazzler did last Dazzler. week. Oh, sorry. But but it was spread out. Like, there was two other inkers that were kind of trading off. So some pages, I think, were by other people. But for the most part, he did that issue. But clearly, this week is better, or this month. Yeah, I mean, there's about a million side characters because Dazzler can't support herself in a a title. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, they're all... It's very cluttered. I'll agree with that. Uh, Josh, what did you think of this issue? Yeah, I think it was a lot stronger than uh, last issue. The art mm-hmm. is uh, great. Um, John Romita Jr., again, I really love him. So uh, there's a lot of fun stuff uh, in here by him. Uh, the story, I think at least we get a moment where Dazzler gets to like be the hero, at least for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that where the issue falls for me is that she couldn't get this gig without all of the other superheroes. And then when something goes wrong, she does save the day, but then Mm. all of the other superheroes have to come in and then like help her out again. Like, yeah, yeah. She doesn't get the record deal on her own. She has to like the event, all the Avengers and like Spider-Man, like everybody goes to the place with her and like makes the guy sign her. And I, I just felt like, the, she she can't stand on her own and it's like right. everybody else doing everything for her which sucks and I think that it was the same last issue too like she couldn't even get off her couch to look at the newspaper to you know right. find, find any place that was looking for a singer she had to wait until Beast came over to do it for yeah. her right so it's just that... uh, but I, I will say there this one was a lot more fun I think that um, there's a couple of good gags in here the art is uh 
again great mm-hmm. uh, I love that after Enchantress shows up uh, all of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and everybody run into the change room to change into the superhero clothes I yeah. uh-huh. really yeah. really like that bit I think it's hilarious and then that little uh, moment with Spider-Man like oh geez I can't change in front of everybody they'll realize I'm Spider-Man so he jumps through the uh the ceiling tile and gets changed up yep, there. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that was one of my favorite points too. That was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say V. I mean, this is obviously a different, you know, like this is a Tom DeFalco doing all these different superheroes. So, what did you think of all these guest appearances? That uh, was pretty neat. Um, you know what? I didn't read the the issue before, so I didn't know really what was going on. So I just kind of accepted it at face value, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of neat. Like everybody's interested in this club and in, in this singer. I didn't know exactly why, but. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> part of my problems was um, the first first page when mm-hmm. I hear when I see her talking and explaining everything that happened in the previous issue. I'm just like, oh boy, like really? Like it's mm. it's just too much. And yeah. now um, when you're telling me it was like literally the previous issue, like really they have to explain that much? You know that much mm-hmm. of a recap? It was just way too much. Um, yeah, I, that's I, what. I think that the reason why they did this, um, and I only know this because the last page of this issue talks about how um, they didn't print enough issues of Dazzler. So nobody nobody has the first issue. So I feel like with issue two, they probably did that recap because nobody was actually able to read the first one. Where did you see that? On the last page, it says extra, uh, a, a Mighty Marvel bonus pinup. And then at the bottom, it says, we've heard that some of you have had trouble finding a copy of Dazzler number one, and we know how frustrating that can be. Well, mm. While we're not about to let you down, we've compiled a list of places where our Dazzler, um, our, sorry, our Dazzling New Stars first collector's item issue can be obtained at cover price. For info, write to, um, and then it has like a bunch of information mm. with an address. So I, I'm assuming that they didn't print enough issues or maybe they were all sold out so they didn't have enough. So when issue two came around the next month, they kind of uh, did like a quick recap of the entire thing just to bring everybody up to speed. Well, the thing is, is Dazzler was the first Marvel comic that was released only in comic shops. And it was actually a huge seller, at least number one was. Right. Um, but no one, it was never critically acclaimed. No one liked it. And unfortunately, it only lasted 42 issues. Right. Uh, so, Julie, you've read about five issues now. What would you say is the main reason that Dazzler is failing? Um, because failed? this character is not a fully realized character and they're not taking the opportunity to do it uh, correctly. Uh, they mm-hmm. haven't given us any reason to love or enjoy her. Um, they, they're just, she's just another flimsy. It's like a, every issue feels like a flimsy team up yeah. and they just really need to, they really need to focus on doing her well. Um, instead of doing her and other people to make it see, sell books. Right. Um, I know what you would, you would sell books if people heard that this was good <sighs> and it's just not good. It, n- <laughs> nothing, nothing they've, they've done with her is good and they're, they're not making or creating a memorable 
person that people can fall in love with. Mm-hmm. They are just putting a girl in roller skates who sings on a stage to maybe capture the, some margin of an audience that they think that they're missing out on. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you. Uh, I think you're completely right with this. I think that this whole Marvel team up thing, like having, like it feeling more like a Marvel team up and having all of these characters come into her story. Um, I think it's both like what makes the issue fun, but also is its downfall at the end. Because I think that a lot of the really fun stuff is like, yeah, of course these superheroes would want to go to a concert where a superhero is putting on like a cool performance and like having these bits in the middle is really fun. But then when they become like a bigger part of the story than she is, that's Mm -hmm. when it falls apart. Cause when they're, when they're all like getting ready, like, Oh yeah, Dazzler, it's going to be great. And they're at the concert and then the fight breaks out and they're kind of helping her out. Sure. That's fun. But then at the end where, when they like, they all go get into the Quinjet and they all bring her to the audition. And then, then they all like burst into the office to get the guy to listen. It's just like, at that point, it's like um, old, like, okay, I get it kind of thing. Well, yeah. And, and it's, it sucks when her only motivation is to like make her daddy proud. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. And that went nowhere. I kept waiting for that thinking, Oh, you know, we're going to meet her dad at the end. Something's going to happen. It went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just, again, a cliched thing to just stick in there without thinking about or developing it. Like, I don't know. Kinda, he, sorry. It was kind of creepy too, that she was calling him daddy, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Not my dad or, you know, my father's uh-huh. daddy, you know, it's just, it was yeah. a little weird. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is I, I know that Marvel didn't have many female writers at this point, maybe only one or two, but you'd think that one of them would have been better suited to this than Tom DeFalco, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what they were thinking, yeah. but even it, the editors, Louise Jones is a woman, but sorry, go ahead, Josh. It feels like at this time, uh, there weren't a lot of writers period that knew how to write for women because i mean mm-hmm. even uh the deb whitman stories that we've been reading have been the same thing it just seems like we don't know how to write a woman write for yeah. a woman like it's just which goes to show you that you know they desperately needed more women writers at the time that's true so a couple of fun points i liked um you know seeing um the thing and the torch getting ready they get into mm-hmm. a bit of an argument, you know, like just mm-hmm. arguing over, you know, like siblings arguing over the bathroom almost. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the X-Men training, which was kind of neat seeing them train. Yeah. And then what I really liked about that is that it comes back and the uh, the young girl, I don't know what her name is. She's 13. Oh, she's like, oh, I wish cry. I could train with them. Right. Yeah, I wish I could train with them. And then later on. They're in the battle, and she's like, oh, I better get out of here. And she takes off. Ah, good point. And one Mm -hmm. of my favorite things is Wolverine. He's got his arms crossed. There's people fighting. He's got a smile on his face. And he's like, ah, it's about time that little squirt hightailed it. She's not ready for this kind of action. I was dying when I saw that. That was fantastic. Uh (laughs) Well, that's what I love about these X-Men guest appearances, because I've read, like, virtually every single Chris Claremont X-Men comic, and it's nice to see other writers take on these characters mm-hmm. you know just to see because almost no one wrote x-men at that time other than chris claremont so and i really cool. enjoyed sorry i really enjoyed the art i just wish sometimes the dialogue would just get, get tuned down a little bit mm-hmm. or the um you know the uh the narration bubble sometimes there's just too much to read there's too much like let the pictures do that let the art do the talking right 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 
Yeah, particularly with that scene we were talking about with Kitty Pride and um, Wolverine when she mm-hmm. jumps through the wall and uh, the that like giant beast like rams into it and knocks mm-hmm. him out. Like we don't need that bubble explaining what's happening. We get it. Mm-hmm. We yeah. see her yeah. leg. We see her leg on the other side. We know her powers. We've we were introduced to this character at the beginning of the issue. Like, it just it sucks because I I really like that panel too. Like it's really fun how it's divided up where you're we're kind of like looking at both rooms. We right. see her jumping through, so it's it's fun. And then yeah, that bubble at the top is just like just too much. We we understand. We don't you don't need to explain the fact that she's jumping through the wall. We see her jumping through the wall. Yeah. yeah. You can figure it out. I mean, that's one of the most annoying yeah. things about all mainstream comics at this point. And the, the, the writers, the editors just couldn't get it through their head that we could figure out what's going on by the art, you know? So that's definitely a weakness. Yeah, and sometimes when you're skimming through the pages, it's, it's, like, it's like you said, V, it's like overwhelming. There's like too yeah. much text, too much dialogue. And it just, it's off-putting. Whereas I think that Amazing Spider-Man with Roger Stern and John Romita, that's like the perfect balance. Like when you look at it, it just pulls you in. You want to read it. You know, that's yeah. how I feel anyway. So uh, another thing too is like the page before, another moment where they like explain too much what's going on. We see this character named Storm yeah, shooting lightning out of her hands and blasting some bad guys. And the, 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 um, the, the narration at the top says, then using her mutant mastery over weather, Storm forms lightning, which flashes from her fingertips. It's like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Her name I is know. Storm, and there's lightning <laughs> coming out of her fingers. You don't need to tell me I that <laughs> she's a mutant who, whose name is Storm, and there's lightning uh-huh. coming out of her fingertips. I can see that happening right now. <laughs> you know what? Unfortunately, 90% of all comics were written this way at that point, so... Yeah. Anyone who didn't do that was definitely ahead of the pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie, did that bother you? What? Like what we're talking about, like the extra narration, the extra explanation, all that stuff. Mm. Or did you just kind of go along with it? Uh, I just went along with it because there was not a lot of substance outside of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, you know what's funny is I grew up on the, that style of writing, so sometimes it's refreshing. Like even though technically it's bad... Sometimes when I'm reading an old 80s, you know, uh, Transformers comic or whatever, mm-hmm. X-Men, Avengers, I kind of just like it because it just brings me back, even though I know it's technically not needed or good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Uh, I it, don't know. It, I just, I don't know how anyone could put up with that, though. I, as it, a reader, you mean? Yeah. Just as a, as an adult reader, as like, wow. as a reader of any age, really. It's probably intended for kids a like we're probably too old to be reading these but (laughs) but at the same time i i like again i it's not ideal that it's there but i'm so used to it it's um like trust me i've read worse like that little line josh read about storm i've read far worse than that so it didn't stand out to me as bad it was just overdone i Mm -hmm. i I get what julie is saying though like just because it's not as bad as others, I don't think that it's excusable either, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, even if this is written for kids, they they kids are not dumb. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? I like, if you if you see a panel with this woman flying and there's lightning coming out of her fingertips, you don't need to 
tell us that there's lightning coming out of her fingertips. There's plenty of comics that I read that weren't these comics. And I didn't read these comics in the eighties because they were like this. I was yeah. still busy reading Disney mm-hmm. and Archie and like Archie wasn't full of exposition. And, right. and if it, if it, it was just like really, just really good dialogue and really good storytelling. And, mm these comics i just don't understand what they're what what it is why they think they need to do this like superhero mm-hmm. comics specifically it doesn't need to be muddied with all this garbage and See, yet it is i think one of the reasons i'm more forgiving is because i've i've read so many comics by like people like roy thomas who is if you think this is bad my god read a roy thomas comic you'll never recover like he mm-hmm. over explains <laughs> every single little thing and I don't want to be a burden on our healthcare system. Right yeah, now. Like not just him, but like um, even other writers. Where there's examples where let's just say there's let's just say you know you try to sneak in like a foreshadowing in the comic where like something happens that in a in a better story you'd kind of like notice it. You'd be like, hey, wait a minute, that guy's up to no good. Well, mm-hmm. in one of these writers would be like, you know, take note, reader, because that guy is gonna come back later. You know, like oh, okay, well, I, okay. So yeah. That is when it gets, it really grates my nerves, is when it actually mm-hmm. ruins suspense and foreshadowing. But in this case, most of it, I, I, I forgive it. So, so anyway, so, okay, V, <laughs> so do you recommend this Dazzler comic book? I do, I do. Maybe um, don't read the first part and just read the second part and yeah. you'll have enough fun. <laughs> All right. So, Jolie, do you recommend this comic? <laughs> um... No. <laughs> oh God. Um, not even if you're curious about who Dazzler is, just read her Wikipedia page, and you know, just doodle her in the corner Wikipedia of your page. yeah. Doodle her. Continue to doodle her in the corner of your notebook, and that's really all you need. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think it was really super strong. I was kind of leaning more towards yes. But then when Jolie brought up just like looking up her Wikipedia, it's like, yeah, you know what? I feel like you would get more and better information reading that than you would this comic. <laughs> like, I, I don't think I can recommend it just on the couple of gags that happened that I that I liked because uh-huh. that's all it was, it was at the end. It was like two two or three panels that kind of made me chuckle while reading. Well, you know, I can say I don't think the story was great, but I really think this art um, stands out. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's better art than I've seen in a long time. Like, uh, I think it's a great combination of these two. So for that, I will recommend it. So that's it. So that wraps up this week's um, reviews of uh, Spider-Man guest appearances in 1981 and 82. If you can believe it, he only had three major ones. There was a few other cameos, but these are the only full appearances, and we've covered them all. Next week, we'll be back to our regular batch of uh, monthly Spider-Man comics. And we'd like to thank G.I. Jolie for joining us for all three uh, reviews uh, this week. And V, we'd like to thank you for joining in on the, the Dazzler Number 2 review. Hey, thanks Hopefully. for having me. I hope to be back more often. For sure. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and yeah, so uh, Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah. Uh, why don't you guys uh, head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or YouTube or Facebook uh, and check us out at the Comic Book Syndicate. Or if you want to talk to us on Twitter, you can find us at Comic Syndicate there. Um, 
We want to know what you guys think about the issues that we're reading and the podcast itself. So leave us a comment or a review, and uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about us. There you go. So until next week's regularly scheduled SpiderCast, this has been Here Comes the SpiderCast. Cast.